And we're back. Yay. I love it when we're back. Hello, everyone. How is everyone? I hope you're well. I guess they can't answer us. I don't know why I ask questions like that. That's okay. Hey, I've got a question. Mm -hmm. Every podcast that I listen to has these really fun, sort of choreographed, sparkling, delightful intros. Are we ever going to do that? Okay. Well, first of all, never in my life have I been described as sparkling (laughs) or delightful. So I'm going to go with probably not. Well, I think you're both. Oh, thank you very much. there. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Hi, everybody. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Steve. Welcome to a Nod Pod. So, how are you? Good, good, good. How was your week? It was fantastic. What made it fantastic? Just everything is is coming up Millhouse for me right now. Is that good? It's a Simpsons reference. Because Millhouse, like something goes his way and he's like, everything's coming up Millhouse. <laughs> okay, okay, I clearly haven't watched it in a while, but I loved, I used to love The Simpsons. I used to watch it all the I time. I too. And then I've moved on to Family Guy where I got most of my parenting tap- tips from. Yeah. Yeah, so. that, that's a solid one. Yes. There's less strangling in Family Guy because Homer was always strangling Bart. True, but there is a whole lot more of dumping all over one of your children. I know. Meg. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? How was your week? I'm fine. My week was great. I had got some work done that I needed to get done. Yeah. I'm excited because it's Friday. Ah, we love the weekend. I do love Friday. So I love Friday. Saturdays are okay. Friday nights are my absolute favorite. Though. Yeah, me too. Because I, I have you have the whole weekend ahead. Right. Of me, right. And then I usually start going through the five stages of grief on Sunday night. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. And usually, though, on Friday night, I'm like, oh, it's Friday. I'm going to get all this stuff done over the weekend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I laugh heartily. Yeah. And I right. accomplish nothing. Right, right. So what are we talking about this week? We are talking about one of my all-time favorite topics. True might, crime. Might that be true crime? It is. It is. Oh, my gosh. There's been a lot of news in the true crime community here lately. That is true. So I'm just going to warn everybody up front. Stephanie's going to have to carry this podcast because the, the true crime G is totally her. That's me. Yeah. So I love it. I, I don't mind it. You know, I was uh, I used to watch um, I used to watch Dateline. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you get kind of drawn into the characters and you, you sometimes forget that, hey, these are real people that really bad stuff happened to. Yeah. Um, not not because of they're presenting it in a bad way, but they, you know, it's dramatized. You're, you're really manipulated into liking or disliking certain characters, not so much manipulated into disliking murderers. That's, that's that, true. I yes. think that's pretty easy. I think we can right. all get on the same page <laughs> there, I would hope. Well, if the internet has taught me anything over the last several years, it's there's no common ground for anything. <laughs> I thought we had all decided upon the earth was round, but clearly that's not the case. No, and we haven't been to the moon, and there are a lot of other just really undiagnosed and treated mental health issues on right. the internet. Right. So. And I, I don't want to hear your conspiracy theories about the moon. So right. you exactly. can save that. <laughs> exactly. Though it is made of cheese. Yes. I think, I think science has proven that. Delightful cheese. So, and of course, now I have to say that the, any discussion of the true crime industrial complex would be incomplete if we didn't really, and probably heavily focus on your favorite thing, True crime podcast. True crime podcast. So, yes, and I know that's your thing. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of all over the map on podcasts. Um, we've talked in the past. You know, I really, really liked West Wing Weekly. Yeah, I like um, Real Friends, Fake Doctors. Love Malcolm mm-hmm. Gladwell. 
Um, I'm just kind of all over the place, but you are pretty dedicated to to that true crime genre in podcasts. Yeah, I am. Um, I, I've tried to rationalize it that listening to uh, understanding how people sort of dissect these things right. and how they think about it will help me be a better criminal defense attorney. Well, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you know, for one, you get drawn into the step-by-step of the investigation. And and I don't know, are are most of these serial or are they episodic? Um, well, there's there's kind of two different kinds of true crime podcasts. There's the ones that actually try to set out to investigate, and then there are the ones that sort of do recaps. Okay. So in terms of the investigative ones, they actually conduct interviews, go over evidence and things like that. And there have actually been um, amateur sleuths, true crime lovers that have helped solve uh, elements of crimes over the years. In August of 1969, the Zodiac Killer, was re- re- I can't talk. Why is it that every time I get on this, I can't talk? I don't know. I because we put a microphone in front of. You? I guess because you know I don't have any trouble flapping my gums any other time. <laughs> well, you know, I, when I edit these and I I listen to us, I'm like, okay, why is there all of this steamering? Like what I just did. What, <laughs> I am having difficulty getting my engine started. Correct. So, all right, but moving okay. on. Okay, sorry about that, everybody. Sorry, folks. Sorry. As you can tell, we're easily. Yeah. Ooh, shiny object. So in August of 1969, the Zodiac Killer released uh, some ciphers that uh, he was taunting people in the San Francisco. What do you mean by ciphers? Um, Like puzzles that had letters in them that spelled out messages, but there was no key. So everyone was trying to figure out what the actual message was in the cipher. So Betty June Harden and her husband, Donald, uh, decided that they were going to try to solve uh, one of the ciphers. And they actually, between the two of them, solved it in their breakfast nook, like they were doing the crossword puzzle. (laughs) We've workshopped this murder. Um, so it was this in proximity to the Zodiac killer? Was this years later? No, it was in August of 1969. It was when they figured this out. And that was when the Zodiac killer was still active. I released a series of ciphers and, um, 51 years later, an international, uh, team of code breakers, uh, actually solved the Z340 cipher, and um, that was in December of 2020. So it took all of those people, all of those years to figure out that cipher. That's that's crazy. That's I know. really interesting. I know. And so then, after that, this man from France, and I'm not going to say his name correctly, and I Did apologize. If you're a listener, I apologize. Did he have ants in his pants? <laughs> no. He was just from France. Yes. I'm done. His name was... I'll move on. I'm sorry. We've now alienated all of our French listeners. His name, uh, last name was Ziria, and he used the cipher key that the international team of codebreakers had come up with, and it didn't work on the Z32 cipher, but he 
figured out some other things to do with that. And he used the key in the Z13 cipher and he came out with uh, the answer, my name is K-A-Y-R, which is very interesting because one of the prime suspects in the Zodiac Killer from early on was a man named Lawrence K. Oh, okay. It's spelled K-A-Y-E. And uh, one of the people who they think had a close encounter with the Zodiac Killer actually picked Lawrence K out of a lineup. So there are different ways that you can do a true crime podcast. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with podcasts, but it has to do with sort of how amateur sleuths fit into the true crime community. I'm sorry. I presume you said amateur sleuths? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I kind of bumbled and it sounded like you said immature sleuths. Yes. These people were very childish. (laughs) They went around to the FBI and said, nanny, nanny, boo, boo, we solved your cipher. Also, as a side note, I don't know if you followed any of this Gabby Petito case. I have. Okay. Yes. Did you know that Dog the Bounty Hunter is yes. now in on Okay. Yes. Somebody said on Twitter that if Dog the Bounty Hunter finds Brian Laundry before the FBI, they are never paying taxes again. <laughs> <laughs> and I laughed hysterically. Oh, that's funny. So now what, and again, this to our listeners, this may end up sounding more like an interview than, than two people participating in the same podcast, but this is really in Stephanie's wheelhouse. That yeah. Not only is this her favorite genre, but it feeds right into what she does for a living. I know everybody thinks we sound so awesome and professional that we do this and we get paid lots of money and we appreciate you thinking that. No one thinks that. No one thinks that, but we are available for sponsorships. <laughs> exactly. Um, but this is this is really kind of a, a fascinating dynamic. One of the things, though, that concerns me particularly in ongoing investigations, and I guess I'm going to put it in the form of a question to you, are you concerned about what really could ultimately become the crowdsourcing of criminal investigations? Yes. Could you expand on that? <laughs> no, that's it. I'll take no further questions. There'll be no further comment. Thank you. Um, yes. And I think that we've actually watched this kind of play out in real time over the last several weeks with the Gabby Petito issue. Okay. Um, there were people, and I think that this is what started it. Well, I shouldn't say that because everybody was on top of this anyway. But there were some people who had been in Yosemite and they were filming like a travel documentary. And I apologize if I don't get exactly what they were doing correctly. But ultimately, they had a lot of raw footage that they had taken, video footage. And they were going through it to edit it. And they saw her van off on the side of the road. And so they sent that information to law enforcement officers, officials. And they kind of concentrated the search for her around the area where the van was found. And um, unfortunately, you know, everyone knows how that turned out, that they found her remains. But people were on TikTok, and I assume on YouTube too, but I saw it sort of play out on on TikTok, were microanalyzing every single element of the video where she and her 
fiance were pulled over by the police officers and talking to them. And you got to hear everybody be an armchair expert on narcissistic abuse, uh, battery domestic violence, everything else. Was there commentary on what the police officers should or should not have detected once you, of course, got the full benefit of hindsight? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And it's easy to fall into that trap. And of course, we all know that everybody on the internet, as soon as something breaks, they're either constitutional law scholars, they are, <laughs> you know, uh, like military strategists whenever the Afghan right. thing. And I was right. like, I did not realize you did that in your spare time. I had no idea. We need so many experts. So it becomes a lot of noise. But ultimately, in those conversations, there are some nuggets of truth. Like there are people who have survived narcissistic abuse. There are people who may have seen themselves in that relationship between Gabby and her fiance, either uh, on either side and recognized, hey, this might not be the most healthy dynamic for me, me to be involved in. And hopefully that's what comes out of that. Those are the kind of conversations that get started. Right. But also within the last couple months, there's a very famous uh, unsolved case of Maura Murray. And it's one of the sort of touchstones in the true crime community. Like uh, everybody is Jean-Benet Ramsey. Everybody knows the Springfield Three, these cases that are, are very prominent. And um, there were some human remains found in a ski lodge area that was about... 20 miles, I believe, from where Maura Murray was last seen. And those have been actually sent to a forensic anthropologist to try to determine whether or not they are Maura Murray's remains. So there's been a lot of interest in true crime. And then this Gabby Petito incident, unfortunately, happened. And it, it made me want to look back and see how amateur sleuths or the true crime community has actually contributed in solving these cases. And so the first example of that is, you know, the Zodiac killer one that I talked about. But if you think about it, it goes back years before then, because I remember actually going to the post office and seeing the FBI most wanted posters on the windows. Do you remember that? At the post office? Uh -huh. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do. And, um, you know, I can remember waiting for my, my mom or my dad to finish what they're doing. And I'm just staring at these posters and I'm thinking, gosh, where how do we not know where these people are? Right. Are they here? Or are they? And then you see, you know, reward, and of course, you immediately become the the wild west marshal, and you're right. You at eight are dog right. the bounty hunter. Exactly. <laughs> well, Dad, I gotta go get them, so I'll be back. Um, you know, the kind of the interesting thing to me is 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 that well, there's several interesting aspects to this. The Gabby Petito murder is one, and, and I'm sure, was it classified as a homicide? Maybe it has been classified okay. as a homicide. Um, the Gabby Petito murder is is interesting in the amount of attention that it's received and the number of people who have missing relatives, friends, who've really kind of come up and said, you know, hey, can, can my case get as much attention as this? Right. What is it that you think caught the attention of whether it was the, the media what or or whatever whatever medium it was that that seemed to spark so much interest in this particular case as opposed to any other. Well, I think it's probably like a confluence of a couple different factors. Um, Gabby is a 
attractive, uh, younger white woman. And that seems to always get more attention from the media than disappearances of any other demographic. Um, she was also a blogger on Instagram. And so I think that there were a number of people who felt connected to her in some way. Um, you know, I refer to the people that host podcasts as my friends and my husband's often like, um, they're not your friends, Stephanie. They don't know you exist. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> We're very close. Very close. And so, you know, people felt connected to her. And then, you know, it's just it's just one of those things that kind of takes off. And Gabby Petito's father actually came out and said, you know, please pay more attention to these other stories. Pay attention to these black or indigenous people of color who've gone missing. Um, well, but and, and let's back up because you and I talked about this even just earlier earlier today or, or yesterday. I don't recall because time is malleable in my mind. And we talk a lot. And we do. In fact, believe it or not, we actually get some work done from time <laughs> to time. Um, but we talked about this and it's it's not always just people of color, but also the where you are on that economic strata yes. as well. This is a huge issue for me is that people who are of middle class, lower middle class, um, even below middle class levels, it's always assumed that they're runaways or, you know, in the kind of attention and the kind of uh, law enforcement resources that are dedicated to those people is never what you see when an upper middle class white girl goes missing, and, or and, and I'm going to an jump incident. in a little bit on that. I, I'm going to jump on the the law enforcement attention piece of it. Having a law enforcement background myself, um, I, I would say that it has less to do with what level of interest law enforcement has than it does the level of interest people have who brought that case forward, because there's a tendency to be maybe more closed-lipped, less trusting, um, not wanting to get involved, busy working three jobs, any number of things that that maybe prevent good information making it to law enforcement. And then, of course, the media has a, a role in this as well. You know, that doesn't sell newspapers that poor Sally, who um, who has been working class poor her entire life, went missing. And, oh, gosh, well, she was probably selling her body. She was right. doing something unsavory. And had she not done those things, which is crap. Right. You know, nobody grows up and says, I want to be a prostitute. Nobody grows up saying, I want to be a drug addict. And nobody grows up saying that I want to work three jobs and still be classified as poor. Right. The fact that we, this is completely unrelated to this topic, but the fact that the phrase working poor exists in our vocabulary astonishes me. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you put in your 40, you should be good to go. Well, okay. And that's, you and I have some, we have some disagreements. I'm not there. saying you need to live in a mansion. I'm saying that right. you should be able to have affordable housing and that kind of stuff. Um, <clears throat> Irrespective, and that'll be a that can be a topic for another time. I, I just kind of wanted to jump in a little bit on the law enforcement piece because there's a finite resource there, and if sure. you don't have people who are willing to come forward, or in some instances, people in 
uh, more economically trying situations don't have a lot of people to come forward for them again because frequently they're working multiple jobs, mm -hmm. they're raising kids on their own, their co-parents long been out of the picture. Frequently that's men who've bounced. So Right. Um, but so you're I, right. It's hard to get together a search party of people who have to work three jobs. Right. But it's it's also hard to expect law enforcement to take something wildly seriously when the people reporting it may not be either. Right. I, you know, just, has she done this before? Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes she disappears for three or four days. And yes. And there, it, all these podcasts that I listen to, oops, sorry, table. There is an alarming number of people who have the habit of just kind of like dropping off the grid for a few days. Sure. And while we're talking about alarming things, the is it, number, is it my weight? <laughs> no, you're looking very svelte these days. The, the number of bodies that they come across when they're searching for oh, another body exactly. is fucking what? troubling. How <laughs> are we doing? Right. I mean, come on, people. <laughs> it's, it, it, you're right. That is one of those things. And, and we're not trying to make light of, of this subject, by the no. way. No. But you, you have to admit that I'm sorry, are we the only ones who are finding this troubling? Right. I mean, should we not have another team on the ground? Like, <laughs> hey, so we're here to catch all the people who, you know, we're not really looking for, but we find. Right. I just listened to um, Obsessed with Disappeared covered um, Shannon Gilbert, who disappeared on Long Island. And in the course of looking for her body, they found no fewer than 10 other bodies. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Again, and, that's troubling right. in the sense that well, it's troubling from a lot of perspectives, but not the least of which is how did we not know these people were missing? And that's where we get back to resources, right? Right. And I think that's where we get back to where do you sit on the social strata, where do you sit on the economic strata? And are people looking for you? You know, there are some things that some of us know with absolute certainty. We know that we will never be homeless because we have resources. We know that if we're unemployed, it won't be for long because, again, we have resources. But you get folks, again, who maybe never had the opportunity to learn some of those same things and they're out there and they're working their job and they're working at jobs that tend to be a little more nomadic in nature. Mm -hmm. People will leave for 25 or 50 cents more an hour because 10 or $20 more a week is a significant increase in income. It's meaningful at that level. Yes. And so somebody who bounced from a job after having been there a year and isn't checking in is not that unexpected. And, you know, you, you weren't really communicating with one another regularly because everybody's busy. And now all of a sudden you're gone and no one knows it. And that right. to me, that to me is one of the scariest and most troubling aspects of, of what you're talking about. What if that were my child? Yeah. What if then they are? They're somebody's child. Right. And how are how do we not know they're missing and what can we better do? And again, I know we're talking about true crime podcasts, but I think one or true crime, that true crime genre in general. But I think one of the amazing benefits of so much attention in that in that complex is bringing these issues to light and forcing us to talk about some of these things a little bit. And I may be wrong. This may no, be largely I, for entertainment. No, I, I don't think, think that so, you're though. I think that you 
I think that you're absolutely right. I mean, the, just like the Gabby Petito situation with the interaction with the police can open up an entire conversation about relationship dynamics, abuse, right. narcissism. You know, um, she talks about having some mental health concerns about obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety. These are conversations that we need to have. And if this is what starts that conversation, then so be it. Right. You know, well, we need to be talking to our daughters and to our sons, and we need to be talking about what a healthy relationship is. And, and we need to be, of course, talking more about mental health. That's a that's an absolute must. Yes. And, and, and people need to understand that setting boundaries um, is an important part of having a healthy relationship. We've gone off topic again. Actually, I don't think so. Because again, I think that the interest in this genre is bringing important discussions forward. Yeah. And, and whether that was an intended consequence or not, I think it's an important outcome. I think another, another reason that we're so fascinated with this is we're always trying to figure out how not to be the next victim. I was just going to say, <laughs> you're fascinated with it. I'm horrified by right, it. Right, right. So. I mean, there's a, there's a fine line between fascination and horror. So, yeah, um, you know, I know that uh, it's like, well, if I don't do that, if I don't do X, then why won't happen to me? And right. so, I mean, there's some element of that. And, and the other part of it is that human behavior is fascinating. And what makes people, you know, do these things? Because never is there ever a good reason to kill someone. And you just see oh, how all I these... I think of a few. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. That's a topic for another podcast. Put your pens away. <laughs> like anybody's writing right. letters. My dearest Steve. <laughs> My dearest Stephanie. <laughs> um, so it's just, you know, we're interested in human behavior. We watch shows like Dateline or 2020 or 48 Hours, Unsolved Mysteries, and they tell us these stories. They weave these stories that are so interesting that you're completely caught up in the narrative. And, you know, it's human nature to want to put yourself in that. Like you can see yourself in that situation and what you could do to try to prevent it. So let me ask you, do you, do you think, and, and I realize that this is just an unscientific and I'm just asking for an opinion. Do you believe that listening to true crime podcasts or watching some of these shows at, at, at some point has helped somebody to not become a victim? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Um, on some of the true crime books and I, books, True crime groups that I'm on on Facebook, or can we say Facebook? Do we have to call it Face Space? Do we have the, to call it the, the headbook? The, the tubes of enter, <laughs> the intertubes. Um, people talk about, um, you know, I have, I'm going out on a, on a date with a new person I met on a, a dating app. I have sent my location, my, I had to take a picture of myself in my outfit. I got shared my location with my friends. Everybody knows where I'm going, what time I should be home. If I'm not home, they have a plan to call. Right. Um, people talk about going on cross-country trips. They're driving. And uh, Ellen Marsh, who's one of the hosts of Obsessed with Disappeared, is like, you can message me on Instagram anytime. And, I mean, people are much more aware of the kinds of circumstances that – 
some of these victims find themselves in and actively try to avoid it. Okay. I think. Very, it, it, again, it's, it's all really fascinating and it's, it's not a, a genre that I spend much time with, not because I'm not interested, but honestly, I find some of human behavior just too disturbing. And, you know, when, when we were kids, one of the big ones coming out was John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, you have this person who parents were inviting into their homes. Yeah. You know, this was somebody who was a clown. Now, I've got a well-documented fear of clowns. Like any right-thinking person should. <laughs> I mean, I don't like clowns. I don't like spiders. And I don't <laughs> like snakes. I really don't think I'm an outlier here. No, I, I think you're, you know, safely in the in the wheelhouse of normal. So, um, you know, and, and you you think about the things that happen. And, you know, as a, as a young person who was always reading the newspaper, you know, back then it came twice a day, you know, you had the, the morning paper and the evening paper, you had the news, that was it. Mm-hmm. You had basically three, maybe four shots at news. And you, you hear these stories and you think, oh my gosh, how did these people become a victim? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think how, how do their parents feel? Because, you know, as a, as a parent myself, I, I, there are a lot of people that I trust and, and, and obviously with good reason and there were never any problems and that's not my point, but one mistake, right? one mistake, and, and it changes the, the total dynamic of your life from that point forward. Um, and when you, when you talk about what's happening today and how much more attention is being brought to this, it would be my hope that there is a, a measure of prevention that's coming out of the other thing, and I just, this kind of just came to me is a lot of times, if you think about the people that like we're from a metropolitan area in the Midwest. And if you think about somebody like Bob Berdella and those types of serial killers, there was some, there was some drugs going on, some alcohol going on. Um, you know, part of the reason I think that the Gabby Petito case is so fascinating to people is she didn't do anything. And I'm making big air quotes wrong. Right. She, she was with her, tr- her fiance. Right. You know, how, right. how does this happen? Right. How, how does this, what, how does this go on? You know, and I'm not, please understand. I'm not saying that sex work using drugs, anything like that is wrong. Right. Anybody deserves that. I'm just saying that that's another element to it is that, how could this go wrong? She did everything right. Correct. And, and when you look at, um, when you look at, uh, is the Bordello one with the sex workers and he would put them in 55 gallon drums? No, that was John Robinson. John Robinson. Okay. Bob Bordello is the one who had Bob's Bazaar Bazaar in the Westport Flea Market. And he was inviting those kids. He was picking up young men. And then he would torture them and inject Drano into them and all kinds of, it was just horrifying. Right. Um, So going then to the John Robinson, you know, these were some of his victims were sex workers. And, and that's where we get back to, you think, well, how was this allowed to go on for so long? And uh, I think it just largely comes down to the fact of who is missing whom Mm -hmm. and how, 
how aggressive are they in their search for answers? Mm -hmm. And and, and again, sometimes by this twist of cosmic fate, you were just born into a family that didn't have resources. Maybe your parents died young and you you just never really developed an understanding of how how to build a network. And that leaves you on an island by yourself. Right. And one of the things that John Robinson did was he was very good at exploiting sort of the early internet. And he would find people who were interested in BDSM practices. Okay. And that's how he got at least. That's not even sex workers. That's just somebody who has a particular interest. Right. And And that's why we don't kink shame. No, I mean, and, and I know we joke about kink shaming, but, you know, people have different interests in the bedroom and they ought to be able to explore that so long as everybody's consenting. Absolutely. And, and it doesn't involve children or animals or whatever. Right. Um, but or the, spiders or clowns. Or, 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 or snakes. <laughs> um, but um, I, I just, you ought to be able to live your life without having to fear something terrible happening. And one of the things that is, I think should be striking to every man is there are so many things that as a man, I simply don't have to worry about. Yeah. And thank you for acknowledging that because every time you go to walk to your car at night, you don't like have to look around be have your head on a swivel, have your keys between your fingernails. Sometimes after council meetings. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a topic for another podcast. That absolutely is. We'll talk about that January 11th or later. <laughs> but absolutely. And, and sincerely, I appreciate you acknowledging that. And it's, you just don't, you just, you'll never understand the vulnerability. And I, right. and I'm, and I'm not saying that men aren't the victims no, of sex crimes absolutely. or violent crime either. You know, right. I have been the victim of violent crime. Yes. Um, I, you know, obviously I, I came out the other side. It's it's different, though, when a woman, for example, if a woman is a clerk in a convenience store and robbed versus a man, you know, the man gets robbed, the person leaves, a woman gets robbed, she might get sexually assaulted in right. the process right. as well. Right. And... uh it's just, it's just different. And again, I, I really thank you for doing that. And I thank you for teaching your sons to be decent guys who would never do anything like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Those, those, they're, they, well, like I say, they came from the factory that way. So, <laughs> right. There's some of that, but, um, and so then when we started talking about doing this, we started talking about only murders in the building, which has been a delightful addition to our viewing <laughs> absolutely rotation. Absolutely has. And I sent you some podcasts that I listened to, like my friends at A Date with Dateline, True Crime Obsessed, Obsessed with Disappeared, Let's or Let's Go to Court. And you're like, well, aren't any of these kind of like only murders in the building where they try to solve the crimes? And there are. And, and I didn't mean it as in, are they comedic? Mm-hmm. I meant it as in, you know, are they serial and they're actually working an active, kind of working an active crime? Right. And probably the one that most people are familiar with, the one that sort of, I think, kicked off the definite interest in um, in true crime podcasts is Sarah Koenig's coverage of the Adnan Saeed case. and. Uh, 
step-by-step walking through that. Now he had already been convicted at that point in time, but she does an outstanding job of pointing out um, inconsistencies in the case and trouble with the lawyering. And it has, it has something for everyone. I feel like Stefan, <laughs> it has ineffective assistance to counsel. It has, you know, so. All of the different <laughs> elements of, of where everything can go wrong. Right. It seems to have. Right. And, um, there's some other examples. There's um, In Your Own Backyard, hosted by Chris Lambert, recently helped uh, police arrest someone in the disappearance of Kristen Smart from San, uh, I'm sorry, is UC San Luis Obispo? I don't know all the uh, California schools, but she's been missing since the 90s. And he went back and was interviewing people, and that actually helped law enforcement make arrests in that case. Uh, there's also the Murder Squad by Paul Holes and Billy Jensen, who uh, contributed to arrest an arrest in Colorado for the murder of Helene Przinsky. And I apologize if I said that incorrectly. Um, another really f- famous one is by Payne Lindsay um, called Up and Vanished that uh, helped with the uh, disappearance of Tara Grinstead. And then there was All Be Gone in the Dark, which is a podcast that they made from Michelle McNamara's book that helped uh, to capture the Golden State Killer, lead to an arrest in the Golden State Killer um, cases that have been cold since the 70s. So there are people that are doing that kind of work in the true crime podcast. They're not necessarily solving active cases. Like, I mean, it's it's obvious in right. in the serialized drama of, of well, I guess it's comedy drama mm-hmm. um, of of the Hulu program is 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 that they're trying to solve what they believe to have been a crime kind of step by step. Is there anybody that's doing that? Because I, I, I think that would be fascinating, but almost impossible to do. It is. Uh, there's Murder and Alliance, which is on the um, Obsessed Network, where they're going through and trying to solve uh, murders in uh, Alliance, Ohio. Um, the thing about true crime with me is that I have to deal with so much and have had in the past, had to deal with so much actual crime and true sadness that I tend to only prefer those podcasts that keep it on the lighter side. Okay. Like they make fun of situations like we're making fun of, well, we were looking for this person and we found 18 other dead bodies. Perhaps we should spend some time on that. And I don't, I want to be clear. I don't think we're making fun of, I think we're highlighting the the, absurdity of it. Right. Absolutely. Is that, um, hey, um, over here, we seem right. to have found a whole lot of stuff that right. ought to really scare the hell out of some people. Right. I think we got a problem. Right. And so it's it's that that take, uh, you know, I tend to be more entertained slash uh, comforted maybe by the ones that take uh, a more humorous look the absurd aspects of some of these cases. Sure. And, and of course, you know, I imagine that you do connect with the ones that deal with some of the technical aspects. Yes. As you mentioned earlier, when you talk about what your day job is and following along with where maybe there had been some missteps or maybe where there had been some novelty. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that when I said the serial one by Sarah Koenig had everything, 
it goes enough into the legal side of it that it is informative and fascinating for attorneys. Just like make a, making a murderer did on Netflix, where they you know showed you they showed you in real time an effective assistance of counsel. <laughs> you got to see it play it out right there. You got to see perhaps some prosecutorial misconduct. And so, you know, those are the ones that are, you know, that's like. It's really rare in life when we can say, and exhibit A. Right, exhibit A. Here you go. If you want to know what I do for a living, go watch this. Yes. So, yeah. So, um, it's, it's, there's something for everyone in the true crime genre. And uh, I was trying to figure out when I first got sort of interested in this stuff. And I think it might have been when Patty Hearst got kidnapped. Oh my gosh. We are talking about going into the Wayback Machine. The Wayback Machine. So let's see. She was kidnapped by the uh, Symbionese Liberation that's Army. That's right. That's right. And, um, we thought that um, at the time, kidnapped against her will, etc. But then a photograph of Patty that maybe was not so helpful appeared. No, and I was very young when she got kidnapped. And the thing that I couldn't she was stop it. <laughs> and whatever whatever age he ascribes to me, he's two years older than me. So I take cold comfort in that. Damn it! <laughs> the thing that I couldn't figure out when I was little was. They kept saying she was kidnapped, but then they were going to put her in jail. And this just screwed me all kinds of ways <laughs> up. I'm like, wait a minute. She was kidnapped. What are you talking about? And then the picture of her holding the submachine gun in a bank. Right. Kind of. Sunglasses or did I put them on in my mind because I found that oddly sexy? I, <laughs> she did have dark hair. I don't know <laughs> if... I don't. Re- I don't think she had on sunglasses. I think. Well, you- in my world, she had on sunglasses, and she may have been wearing a bikini as well. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think you've Mandela affected that. <laughs> but no, I, I remember because I remember seeing the picture, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, "Oh my gosh!" And then I, like you, I remember she was arrested, she was tried, she was going to prison, mm-hmm. and you think, "Well, what, what cataclysmic chain of events?" happened that got us to this point. Now, obviously, as a preteen, I, I wasn't thinking in, in those mm-hmm. linear terms. Um, right, but I just remember being so concerned because right. she had been kidnapped and right. then they were going to put her in jail. Right. And I was just like, this is so upsetting to me. Right. And I think it started sort of this <laughs> lifelong fear of getting in trouble for something you didn't do. Sure. And I don't sure. mean low stakes trouble. Right. I mean like right. high stakes trouble. Right. So fascinating stuff though. Okay. Anything else that we want to talk about on this subject? Mm-hmm. I'd just like to give a shout out to all of the podcasts that I've listened to over the pandemic. You guys have been a source of great comfort, which sounds weird. But especially, and I'm going to say him again, Day with Dateline, True Crime Obsessed, Obsessed with Disappeared, Let's Go to Court. Thank you guys so much. It's part of the reason I wanted to do a podcast, because you guys are my friends, whether you want to be or not. (laughs) (laughs) I am with your husband on this. (laughs) 
most of those people don't know you exist. I know, but I have on my merch from one of them right now. Excellent, excellent. Well, and speaking of merch... Did you see how I did that, kids? So, um, you know, we have um, on one of our other podcasts tossed this out. I can't remember. I think we've tossed it out on here before, but if not, I want you to to sell it again, because in addition to some fun stickers, we've got some coffee mugs now. Mm-hmm. We might have some shirts later mm-hmm. um, for people who either um, sponsor us or the first, oh, I don't know, maybe the first five or six people who give us a five-star rating and written review and send it to us. How about we send them a coffee mug Yay. and some stickers? So Yay. So that's my cue. Tell, you're going to have to tell them how to do that. That's my cue to tell everybody to rate, review, and subscribe of five stars. That's right, five stars on iTunes for a Nod Pod. If you take a screenshot of that review and send it to me at stephanie at weekendmediagroup.com with your address, we will happily send you some swaggy swag. Now, don't get terribly excited. It's going to be a coffee mug, and it'll be the get excited. The first five of you who do that. Now, I think we've only got a few in stock, so I'll have to order some more. So it might take just a couple of weeks um, once you post. But trust us, we will get you a coffee mug and some stickers out. We will also give you a nod on the pod we for doing that. Absolutely will. And if you're interested in selecting a subject for us to talk about, past or present, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Can you? Yes. You've set all of those up because I've done nothing. I have. I ordered coffee mugs. <laughs> you did order coffee mugs. <laughs> It's a symbiotic team here. We're like a well-oiled machine. Or some derivation of that. You can send us an idea for um, a topic that we will cover, and you will also get a nod on the pod. And I'm giving everybody viewer homework. I would like for you to send me, if you're interested in doing so, send me what unsolved crime you would like to solve. Let me know if it's Jean Benet. Let me know if it's the Springfield Three. Tell me if it's a JFK assassination. I want to know what you want to know. You know, I, I always say that um, I, I maintain a list of questions so that when I die, just prior to God saying, yeah, no thanks to you, <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping to get these questions answered. And, you know, you, you hit two of them right there. And, and I'm not trying to make light of, of either of those, and it, whether it's the Kennedy assassination or the, the JonBenet Ramsey case, but there are just some serious, serious questions out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to, I, I mean, I, I want, I would love nothing more than those crimes really to be solved and to give people the, the absolute correct answer. And, mm-hmm. and I don't know that we got it with Kennedy. Um, I, I, I find it difficult to believe. Interestingly enough, though, my son and I are headed to Dallas in about a week and a half. That's exciting. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna take in the Texas Book Depository. Are you gonna go? Gonna oh my go. god, I'm so jealous. And um, you know, my my aunt Pat lives in Texas, whom I love very, very, very much. And we were last there when the boys were 
12 and 13. Mm, okay. So obviously it's, it's been a long time. But I remember when we were there, we went through the intersection where President Kennedy was assassinated and they actually have it marked mm -hmm. where it occurred. And I just remember feeling chills. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you want to talk about what it's, it's puzzling to, well, puzzling isn't the right word. It's a curiosity to me. If we had the technology available then that we do today, how much further along might we be in understanding some of these historical events, whether it's the Kennedy assassination um, or the more recent of the two, the, the Joan Benet Ramsey murder? Yeah. And it's it's just to me, I think a, a, a fascinating time to be alive. And you've got all of these people who, just like us, have started something and it costs really very little to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's not like we have to pay Apple to be on Apple podcast. I mean, it's just, I, I don't mean to wax enthusiastic about it, but I think it's really an interesting time to, to see how technology and life intertwine even more. Mm -hmm. I, uh, that, that's absolutely hundred percent because you think back, I mean, just about the John Bonet thing that was in 1996 and I mean, I had internet access then, but the internet wasn't what it is now. And they didn't have ring cameras. And, you know, there, there are just so many things now that would hopefully prevent something like that from ever happening again. Right. And, and you don't obviously don't know if that would have changed anything, if it would have fixed anything. But, you know, you can't you can't walk around my house without being on camera outside. Mm -hmm. front door, side door, garage door, because the, the technology is so inexpensive, mm -hmm. it immediately uploads to the cloud. So just saying, if you want to kill me, it doesn't <laughs> matter. You're going to get caught because it all goes up to that. You can grab my phone. You can do whatever. Just saying. And then, you know, we go along in like, was it 2006, 2008, when Madeline McCann disappeared from Portugal, you know, um, how would that have happened now? Right, right. Now, real quick before we go, I'm not familiar with the Springfield Three. Can you fill me in? In 1993, I believe, um, this is sort of my one that really gets to me just because they're from this area. Um, they graduated, the two girls graduated. It was uh, a young lady who was spending the night with her friend and her friend's mother. They were supposed to go to a water park the next day. They had gone to a party, came back to the house. When it was time to go to the water park, they weren't there. Nobody showed up. So oh. they came over to the house and um, to see where they were. The front porch light was broken, like the bulb was broken. And nobody's ever seen them since. The purses okay. were there. There's no sign of a struggle other than the broken porch light. And it's they're almost 30 years later. Nobody has any idea what happened to them or who took them. So no remains, no, no other no. clues. No, there is a, you know, uh, urban legend that they are buried in a parking garage of like the hospital that was being built in Springfield at the time. Okay. But um, nobody knows. Unbelievable. And, you know, the, the tragedy of that, aside from just the, the sheer trauma and tragedy of losing a child, is got to be the not knowing yeah. what happened and the inability to have that kind of that closure. 
and, and feel like that, hey, I can go ahead and process through to the next phase of my grief. I just feel like you would be constantly stuck in that mm-hmm. first kind of that first level of hell. Right. And there's a unsolved murder in uh, our town that I would love to be able to solve and get resolution for that family and all of the kids that were her age too. Right. Right. All the people that we know sure. that went to school with her. Um, well, you know. all the people that you know, because every time you ask me about somebody <laughs> in my own class, I'm like, I'm sorry, who now? Well, your office manager knew who she was. So <laughs> Clear, Clearly, <laughs> I, I drank way too much. He did. But I'm here to help remind him. Exactly. But all I, right. What are we talking about next week? I don't know. What oh, are we talking we about next week? Up with something. Could we could we workshop it and make everybody listen to it? Yeah, us I think you'll love it? to hear our process. Absolutely. Or the absence thereof. <laughs> and now this is the sound of thousands of people turning off their radios. <laughs> you said radios. I know. I said radios because, you know, I listen to podcasts in the car. Oh, but, funny. you know, and okay. thousands of people. That's the funnier part of that than the radios. Uh, let's see. You know, we have so far given a nod to 80s TV, mm-hmm. to teen workers during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We've given a nod today, obviously, to the true crime genre. Um, what else? We talked about doing fast fashion, and I just read something about that the other day. Okay, so that's going to be two in a row that require me to do a lot of research because I know jack shit about them. Okay, well, let's find something else. <laughs> <laughs> let's have dead air for a little while. Okay. See what do, 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 do. No, no, you cannot use that. I can use that much of it. <laughs> Fair use. Oh. Don't sue us. All right, we're back. I I hate to break it to everybody, but we actually had no idea what we were going to do. So we took a few minutes offline because we're barely interesting when we're talking. (laughs) And we're barely interested in each other. (laughs) So maybe you all don't need to be a part of this. So we've come up with an idea, though. Yes, we're going to talk about movies that we love. That everyone else hates. Yay! So we're going to give a nod to those unsung theatrical releases. And I'm going to talk about why certain movies that critics love are pieces of crap. Exactly. Exactly. And why sometimes I sit in a movie and just kind of roll my eyes. And I will tell you about the movie that I watched one time that finally got me to the point to say, I will now walk out of a movie. Really? Yes, I will. So you have to tune in next week and see which movie that was. Oh, I'm excited. I know. But to give you a little bit of a teaser as to a movie that Stephanie and I both love, and I think we were one of seven people who went to go see it. (laughs) Hudson Hawk. Yes. So, and if you want to hang in there with us next week, go watch it. I'm sure it's rentable online somewhere. It's so much fun. It is. You know, set your expectations low, kids. Just saying. Much like for our show. Right. And if you want to, uh, afterwards, oh, we'll just cut that out. That was stupid. What's in my hair? I don't know, (laughs) but there's a good chance I'm going to leave this in because I'm the producer. (laughs) Ew. No, that's gross. We'll we'll cut. There was something in my hair. So at any rate, we look forward to seeing you guys next week. It's Friday night. Actually, it's very early Friday morning when we drop these. So we love you all. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and be well. Have a great week. We'll see you next Friday. Bye.